Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. Hey, good evening, guys. Super excited to be um, online again and sharing with you guys once again tonight. Uh, so tonight is going to be our last session in our um, Song of Songs series and uh, just really excited to, to kind of wrap it up and to share what the Lord has been um, laying on my heart about this topic and uh, we've, we've heard some feedback from people and just saying that it's been just a really a word in season and something that has blessed them. So hopefully that's the case, hopefully it's something that you can share and listen to at a later stage, it's also you can catch it on our podcast and on our YouTube channel. And um, so we're excited about this tonight and we're going to wrap it up because uh, over the next couple of weeks we are starting, um, starting to travel uh, quite extensively. So if you remember us, please carry us in your prayers. Uh, so from next week we are traveling uh, in South Africa for the next three or four weeks. And then beginning of November we are starting our journey to, to the USA where we're going to be preaching in in five states or so uh, with different church groups and ministries so we're really excited about all the wonderful things the Lord is doing all the doors he's opening up and uh, but also just excited about sharing with you guys Song of Songs too and uh, if you're watching please share please like please comment please tag somebody and hopefully we we get it out there and it can bless uh, it can bless more people so um, I just want to pray before we start and uh, yeah just uh, just close your eyes where you are and um, Maybe um, while we're praying, your eyes should be closed, but we're cool with uh, just typing in hello and just telling us where you're watching from, and that'll be really awesome as well. Um, but Lord, we just, we welcome your spirit tonight, and we welcome your presence. We open our hearts to your word. We're excited to just hear what is on your heart. We're excited about the season. We're excited about what you are doing in the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and that we can be full of faith, full of confidence that you are moving in this season and that you are setting us up for glory and for greatness in your kingdom, Lord, for the sake of your name. And we are so excited about that, Lord. Our one desire is that your greatness would be seen through us wherever we go. So, Lord, we just invite you in and we pray, come and teach us tonight, come and speak to us tonight, come and stir our hearts some more. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So guys, like I said, if you're on there, maybe just share and uh, just comment and share with somebody and yeah, just put it out there and hopefully we, we get more people watching and we get more people that can, can enjoy this with us together. But um, we've been sharing out of Song of Songs over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we started with, with Song of Songs chapter 2 verse 10 to 15. And as I mentioned to you guys, maybe you've missed it in the, in the build-up, but as I mentioned to you guys, this was a prophetic word that came to us through a friend about two months ago. And honestly, it, it was one of the most, um, uh, just a word that shifted us. And it's, you know, sometimes, I mean, scripture is always powerful, but then every now and again, you read a scripture and it's almost like it is describing word for word where you are. It's like, it feels, it literally felt like it took words out of my mouth that I would pray to the Lord. And the Lord would speak it back in that chapter. It was just absolutely glorious to watch that and um, just just read it and, and just felt so firstly convicted, honestly, just about, oh man, what was wrong with my attitude? How did I miss that the, the Lord was actually speaking, you know, in this? 
and then kind of shifting to just hope and excitement and just like, oh man, I, I feel like I have a grip on the season. Because uh, if I speak to people, many people say that 2023 has been such an interesting year. And, and, it, and it truly has been. There's just been a lot going on. Um, uh, I spoke to a friend last night as well. And it's almost just like, um, I said to him at some point, it, it felt like this year was a stop and go year. I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know where you're watching from, but in South Africa, when they do roadworks, we call it a stop and go. So you, you know, especially when two lanes become one and you have to wait and it's a stop and go. So it's almost like it didn't just flow uh, like it did the year before. It was almost like this constant battle to to get flowing and to stay in the, you know, in a, in a kind of a flow of the Spirit of God. It's really, a, it was a year of warfare. It was a year of sorting out our own hearts. But this chapter just came alive and, and really spoke to me. And the last verse that we spoke about was Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. I'm just going to read it again. If you have time, go and read verse 10 onwards. But such a powerful verse, and that's kind of where we stopped last week, is about the foxes. And the first fox we spoke about was the deceptive, was the deception out there um, that, that there's truth or, or that there's value in self-preservation, where the whole kingdom is based on, on sacrificial lifestyle and sacrificial worship unto the Lord and what that opens up. I spoke a little bit about Mary and, and Judas and just kind of these, these contradictory, you know, contradicting stories that's combined in the same chapter in Matthew 26 and where you see just the different outcomes of their lives based on a mindset of self-preservation versus self-sacrifice and just the power that's in that. But Song of Songs 2 verse 15, it says, it's, it's the Lord speaking to us. It says, you must, must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. And that is so powerful right there. Just the fact that the foxes come and they want to ruin what the Lord has planted within us. It is about this internal garden. It's the place where God meets with us. It's Adam walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. It's the garden of intimacy and it's this place. Um, and, and this is the place that, and I'm repeating, but this is the place that we need to guard because out of this place flows forward destiny. If you read the whole flow, this is the only thing that the Lord says we need to do. It's two things. Come away with me, right? Don't get distracted. It's a new day of destiny. New things are opening up. So, but, so come away. Come to a higher place. And number two, take care of the foxes because they will ruin the vineyard, right? So it's first this upward call into intimacy with Jesus, this upward call to enjoy God and to realize that he's got the future in his hand. And our job is not to make the future happen. Our job is to stay in the high place of first love with God. Because out of that place, he takes care of all of the rest. And we have the privilege of just walking into whatever he's prepared for us. And it's glorious things, rich promises from in verse 10 to verse 14. But he says, take care of the little foxes, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Such a powerful verse, such a powerful promise, such a powerful idea. And like I said, we spoke about self-sacrifice last week, and I want to kind of carry on a little bit. I maybe, you know, it's one thought, but there's like maybe two or three foxes that I feel like the Lord has identified that I want to kind of share with, share about tonight. And honestly, we could probably keep going on this topic quite a you know, for quite a lot of time, because there's just so many things that start stirring as you dig into this. But um, the thing that really stirred this message in my heart was, was you know, just moving around in so many different churches and places, 
uh, seeing different things our own life and just realizing the high level of distraction that is that is in the body of Christ and that that kind of just got me and, and I realized that a lot of that is based out of fear out of anxiety out of all of those kind of things and I'm going to tell you why if you keep reading Song of Songs too then you know it's, it's the bridegroom speaking to the Shulamite then then she responds to this call and she's so excited about her beloved and then she goes and she speaks about fear like how the Lord is going to move away from her into this mountain of separation uh, until fear is conquered in her own heart and when I read that and, and I mean there's obviously a lot in there and I, I don't want to go into all of that but 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 it was almost this this picture just about how fear um doubt and fear is absolutely the 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 killer of our walk in faith right jesus in mark 5 verse 36 fear not only believe right so fear counters faith and doubt is the thing that that kind of progresses or or is the breeding ground for fear uh to grow in our lives and we've got to take care of both of those things but distraction is often what creates this fear, this anxiety. And the reason why I say it is that the parable of the sower, which is also just, I mean, such a, just, what a powerful parable, isn't it? Mark chapter 4, where Jesus just shares his heart. This, this simple parable of the sower sowing the seed, but it's almost like, you know, if you don't understand that, you kind of miss the kingdom, honestly. Because there's something about the, the, the foundational heart of the kingdom that's right in that that is so important for us to grasp but but in verse 18 to 19 is jesus explaining the parable and he he, he goes through every one of this this different types of soil that he mentioned and the, the one that he mentions here is 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 the one with the with the thorns right and he says and the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless guys that is like i don't know why but this one is just grabbing me so much this specific condition of the heart this soil condition of the heart that the Lord speaks of is the one where the thorns are prevalent and if I think about the foxes it is connected to distraction and distraction leads to anxiety and it leads to fear and it leads to craving all sorts of wrong things and we step out of the realm of faith and we step into the realm of doubt and fear and when, whenever doubt and fear is present we have to know that somewhere we got distracted somewhere we lost focus and we stepped into the realm of worry and stress and anxiety about the future about today about tomorrow and that is 100 percent not where the lord wants us to be right that is the sign that we step out of faith because rest anxiety restlessness distraction that is the opposite of rest and according to hebrews chapter 4 chapter 3 and 4 rest is the breeding ground of faith right so the minute that we step out of rest we step out of faith in essence and suddenly distraction starts taking hold of us the worries the cares the anxieties the, the the you know the appetites of the flesh the things that the world has on offer all of those things and um, that becomes the issue in our hearts and in our minds and it keeps us away and suddenly the soil of our heart is hardened and that's a fox right that's a fox right there doubt and fear 
and restlessness to me is part of distraction and and what i mean with that is if i cannot come to peace on the inside of me about the season that i am in about the place where i'm at in my life about my walk with god about identity about his hand upon my life trusting him with my future and i'm restless um, it becomes this hard battle in my own life and sometimes restlessness fear distraction all of those things comes with comparing our current season with a previous one does that make sense um it's it's so easy to take where we are today and to always go and compare it to the old days and go oh wow the old days you know that, that was the glory days one year ago five years ago or in that move of god or man the miracles were flowing oh wow business was booming or you know my children was that age and that was glory whatever it is and often when we compare seasons to each other, we, we get into a place of restlessness and that restlessness is the breeding ground for doubt and for fear, which is the opposite of the kingdom. And that, that is just distraction, right? And we become distracted because a person without faith is a distracted person. And the reason why I say that is faith is the only way to come to God is through faith, Hebrews 11 verse 6, and we know that He rewards those who comes with faith. There's a the reward of faith is what anchors us in hope, and hope is what pulls us forward. But if I don't walk by faith, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dig into that realm of hope, right? And when hope is lost, I, I have a serious problem. And now I start comparing my current season to the previous season because I want this season to look a certain way. But God is doing something different in this season. He's working in a specific way. And it might not be as external as I would like it to be. But internally, he's, pos he's positioning us for a deep, deep work. And we've got to watch out. Like the other night, we had a, um, we had a sailor night. We had a worship night at home. It was just so much fun uh, last week, Thursday. And I just, I just, man, when I started praying, I'm just like, man, we, we've got to... It was almost like a repentance thing. Like the best is truly yet to come that is the way of the kingdom right the, the path of the righteous is ever increasing like the rising of the sun that's that's our walk in god because we are the righteous and it is ever increasing right it is not decreasing if it's decreasing and if that's the feeling that we have somewhere we've stepped out of faith we've stepped out of rest and distractions kicked in pulling our attention to all kinds of different prices away from the bridegroom and it is just a bunch of foxes that's chewing away at our destiny, is chewing away at our vineyard, that's chewing away at, at our garden of delight with the Lord. And that is the big issue. It's first love that got, that got ruined because of distraction and because of buying into the lie that, that the best is behind us and ahead of us is just going to be a battle. I'm sorry, but that's not the way of the Lord. The greatest revelation is still to come. The greatest miracles are still to come. The greatest encounters with the Lord are still to come. The greatest outpourings are still to come because the latter glory will be greater than the former. That's scriptural and that's biblical. And guys, we've got to get back to scriptural thinking and biblical mindset in our approach to this stuff. Otherwise, the foxes is going to ruin this garden of ours. And that is not where we want to be. We've got to move out of that place, right? It is so important in a, uh, sorry, let me just take some water. Um, Psalms, Psalms chapter 42 and 43, 
become some of my it's just i mean probably not only mine but it is just powerful songs right it, it is so awesome and it's it speaks it's it's uh it's the psalmist writing and he and he kind of he's you know he's thirsting he's hungry for god it's these revival psalms but in it there's a moment where he says why is my soul so in despair because he starts thinking about the past he says I remember the days when I was leading out in front in the assembly of the Lord and I was the one leading, leading the charge of praise, leading the charge of worship. So it was glory days, right? And now he's going through something different and he's kind of battling through this process a little bit, you know? And, and then listen to these words in, in Psalm 43 verse 5. It's just so powerful. It says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you restless? Did you hear that word? Restless. And disturbed within me, right? He says, hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. <coughs> Excuse me. I love that the way he kind of speaks to his soul, the way how he gets his soul out of restlessness is with the word hope. Hope in God. Wait expectantly for him, right? Guys, when we lose hope, that means fear and doubt kick in because our distraction, we got distracted away from the bridegroom. We got distracted from the Lord. We got distracted away from His promises and we lost our focus in that moment and we're missing out on the heart of the Lord. So hope is lost, right? When hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? But a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. So what is the promise? If the promise is his hand or just destiny of the future, if it doesn't happen in this season and in the time frame that we had in mind, we're going to be frustrated, right? And more than that, I hope you catch this, but if, if destiny has become my idol, right? If destiny has become my idol, the chances of me making bad decisions, unwise decisions in my process to the promise fulfilled is phenomenal. And those unwise decisions can hinder, slow down and even cancel, right, the future, the destiny. But if my destiny is Christ, oneness with the Lord, union with God is the goal, is the fact that His very nature needs to shine through me then suddenly every decision that I make is a decision aware of Him, of His desire, right? And if His desire is the desire of my heart, it says it will be fulfilled. Psalm 37 verse 4. Are you guys with me? But if destiny has become my idol, I'm going to make unwise decision. If He is my only desire, I'm going to make every decision out of what He wants. And what He wants that will become fulfilled. And I'm not worried about destiny. I'm worried about the king, his desire and his heart for me. And destiny is the most natural outflow out of that relationship. And it changes everything, right? So hope is in him. And we sing that, we say that easily. But my hope, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope is the word. Christ in me creates what? Hope of glory. Right? Christ in me, the garden within, is the hope of glory. And glory is not a stagnant thing. Glory is something that grows. 
and it gets bigger because it's like the Lord is unending. It, it just His mercies are new every morning. There's no end. He's, he's limitless in every part of it. So my, my hope of glory is not a moment, not a encounter, not a destiny thing, but it is a person. And the deeper I get stuck into the person of Jesus Christ, the more expansion there is going to be inside of him, the more revelation is going to unfold, the more the knowledge of the Lord is going to unfold, and the more my faith will rise and destiny will open up spontaneously out of that place. But he has got to be my destiny. He has to be my goal because then I live aware of his desire, right? And that eliminates bad, unwise, fleshly decisions in my pursuit of making destiny happen. And that's the way how we mess up the promises of God in our lives. Now listen, anything can be redeemed, right? But we've got to be aware that we do that, our decision-making process. That's why he says to us, take care of the foxes, right? Because if you don't take care of the foxes, it's going to ruin what destiny. And he says, we have to take care of the foxes, guys. Destiny is something that you have a part to play in it, right? It's the Lord's future. It's the Lord's word. It's the Lord's call over your life. But you have to submit to him to see that fulfilled, right? And it's, when I got born again, let me just share the story. Man, I really feel the Lord on this right now. When I got born again, so I lived a, a, a terrible life. Uh, you know, just ungodly, immoral life, far away from God. And then I'm sitting, I, I've turned my back on the Lord. I'm, I've cursed Him. I don't want anything to do with Him. I'm so bitter. I'm so angry with God and just, just angry, right? So I'm sitting in my, my oldest brother's house in, in Cape Town. And, um, and he's sharing something. We, just, we were going into business together, right? And he's sharing something. The next minute, God speaks to me audibly. I believe that's the internal audible voice of the Lord because not everybody heard it. But to me, it was like my voice to you right now. God spoke to me audibly, and this is the words that he said to me, and I need you to hear this in context of what I'm sharing. He said to me, Hank, this is your last chance, right? And, you know, over the years, I've gone back to that conversation so many times, because obviously, theologically, I've grown, and I've learned stuff, so I'm going, well, does that mean I, I can't be saved? Is there only one time to be saved? Obviously, that's not it. This was the words. He said, Hank, this is your last chance. If you do not decide to walk with me now, you're going to miss out on all that I have for you. Right now, that was obviously a massive moment. That was me getting born again and starting to step into the possibility of destiny. But the point was what he was saying to me also is that my participation in the call, in the promise, is necessary. That's why we are co laborers with Christ. Otherwise, we're going to ruin this thing. Guys, your decisions and my decisions have a part to play. And we are going to allow foxes to kill it. And those, that's one of the foxes. It's bad decisions, right? It is decisions made, compromises allowed outside of a heavenly gaze, right? Outside of a heavenly focus, looking at the Lord and allowing Him to lead. But if destiny is my idol, then we're in trouble. But if He is the desire of my heart, His will will be my desire and then suddenly I'm going to make the right choice in the, in the pursuit or in the path I'm into the manifestation, right? Because it is about the journey. We always say it, but it's about the journey, right? Does that make sense? I'm, I'm off track myself, but it's just stirring in my heart, right? It says, hope is what keeps us there, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hope 
is what settles the restless heart. But hope has got everything to do with faith, right? Faith is what stirs hope on the inside of me. That's why Psalm 23 verse 5 is just such a significant psalm. You all know the verses, but it's, but it's you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, I shall not want. And I, it's necessary to just sit on that reality. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, right? Anxiety, fear, doubt, worry about tomorrow, worry about do I have enough, can I make it, do I have the money, do I have the ability, do I have the gifting, what about my children, what about my wife, all of this stuff, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, I shall not want, right? That should stir faith. And the faith that that deposits should make me go that there is hope that I will not lack in my endeavor. Whatever it is that He's calling me towards, His provision will follow, His lead will follow, the Lord is my shepherd. And suddenly faith is stirred in my heart. And when faith is stirred, hope arises spontaneously, right? Because he goes through the psalm, I mean, these beautiful, powerful words, and then verse 5, it says, The Lord sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies, right? He anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. Here's the point. It's the overflow, but there is an enemy watching, right? It's overflow, my cup overflows, I'm anointed, the table is set before me, I can feast on the Lord, but the enemy is literally sitting in my face watching me do this, right? Now that is a glorious idea, but the reality is that we've got to understand that we can feast in the presence of the hardest situation. We can feast, and that's why we've got to take care of the foxes. But what happens with me and with many other people is that we sit in this moment, our, we're anointed, our cup is overflowing, we're blessed by the Lord, the table is set, the food is there, the feast is prepared. But what do we do? So, I mean, there's like five positives in that sentence, right? There's one negative in the presence of my enemy. And our human nature tends to focus on the enemy in the presence of the enemy. And we struggle to enjoy the feast with a cup that's overflowing and a head that's anointed, right? So we are distracted in that moment because why? Fear and doubt will always make me look at the enemy. Where rest and faith will make me feast on what he said before me, right? And we've got to get that fixed. We've got to get that sorted out in our lives. It's a shift in our mindset. It's a change in our heart. It's an attitude adjustment from restlessness to restfulness. And hope is the key that unlocks it. And I want to tell you, once, you've, once you feel hopeless, you've got to check what's going on in your faith in the faith arena in your life because probably doubt and fear kicked in because you got distracted you're looking at the enemy right you're looking at the enemy therefore we're making bad decisions and we're making this destiny thing harder and longer we're not getting into it we're going around and around this mountain and that's not where the lord wants us to be but he wants us to be feeding on the bread and on the wine right the table that he said before us and guys this this is critical because um, what is the bread and the wine? It, it speaks of redemption, right? It speaks of salvation. It speaks of the forgiveness of our sins. Because guilt and shame is one of the biggest foxes that will keep you from intimacy with the Lord. 
right? Guilt and shame. Therefore, feast on the table that is set before you, and on that table is bread and wine, right? Feast on the wine, the blood, the, the message of redemption, the washing of the Lord Jesus over your life that makes you whiter than snow. Feast on the fact that you are presented holy, blameless, and pure before the Lord because of the blood, right? It's because of the blood. It's because of the sacrifice. It's because of the cross. It's because of what Jesus did for us, in us, and therefore through us, what is made available because of that. And guys, we've got to feast on the blood. It's so important that we feast on the salvation of the Lord, that we feast. It's, it's uh, in the Psalms 118, I think, where David says, I lift high the cup of my salvation. There is a rejoicing, there is a lifting of the cup constantly over our lives where we say we rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. And that keeps us in a place of remembering what He has done on the cross, remembering our inheritance because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, removing the foxes of guilt and of shame. And it's critical that we get this right in our lives, right? We've got to feast on the blood. We've got to celebrate the blood. What did it do? Don't get distracted. Don't look at what's happening out there. Don't look at the enemy. Don't look at your own weakness. Because looking at your own weakness is, is horrible, right? Our own weakness is great room for His grace to kick in and to prove Himself strong through. That's what Scripture says, right? So our own weakness should be something that we present before the Lord and ask for the blood to wash over it so that the weakness becomes a strength in the hand of the potter, right? That's what we want, friends. Yet we often look at our weakness and we make that the enemy that is sitting across the table and we're so distracted because our weakness is only shouting doubt and fear into us. Where our weakness should lead us to a place of surrender and yielding so that His power can come over us. But weakness cannot become a fox. It cannot become an idol that is selling a lie to you where the blood has spoken something else. Where the blood says your weakness is covered by His grace, by His mercy. It is actually the, the perfect place for His empowerment to move through. It is the place where we need to yield to the blood and say, Lord, let your blood wash over me. Let your blood speak into my life. It is so important, guys, that we celebrate the wine. The, the word is the bread. And I want to talk about this because, can I be honest, I think one of the foxes that I, I, I see a little bit in the body, and I'm part of the body, so I see it in my own life, is I feel like we are a little bit light when it comes to the bread, which is the Word. I, I feel that too many believers are, are not living on, on, on the bread, the daily bread of the Lord. And it is so important that we step up in this arena, that our love for the Word of God needs to grow, it needs to become mightier, because the Word also releases faith, and the Word releases hope, the Word stirs us, right? The Word creates life inside of us, it awakens the promise inside of us, it moves our hearts closer to the Lord, it, it's, it releases faith, it releases destiny, it releases revelation of the nature of God. The Word is mighty and it is powerful, and one of the things that, that is like, we cannot just live on worship, right? I love worship music, and that's what I mean, song. We cannot just live on that. Although it's super powerful, and listen to me, we do it a lot. I love worship. 
but there's got to be scripture in there. There's got to be word in there. We've got to be heavy on the word, right? Filled with the word of God. It's got to be living and active inside of us. Because here's the thing, Hebrews 4.12, we all know it, but the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does it do? It divides between spirit and soul, between bone and marrow, and between the thoughts and the intentions of man. The word brings clarity. The word brings, it's, it separates and it divides, right? And this is so important because we've got to get the division between faith and fear and doubt. We've got to get the vision between wisdom and fear. We've got to get the word to divide between foolish, unwise decision and wise biblical standards. We've got to get the word into us so that holiness, that we can be washed by the word holy and present ourselves before the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto Him. We've got to allow the word to lead us to repentance. We've got to allow the word to get us out of our soulish thinking and bring us into a spiritual reality. We've got to allow the Word to awaken our spiritual senses and awaken our spiritual nature, reminding us of who we are and the authority that is within us. And the Word of the God is powerful. The Bible is powerful for these purposes, right? And if we are light on the Word, we're going to struggle to stand. The Word is the rock. It's the foundation. It's it's a cornerstone of our faith because it is the person of Jesus Christ. It is the creative force of God. It's the creative force of the universe. And unless we allow that creative force to stir inside of us, we're going to be lacking. And the new thing that God promises in Song of Song 2, verse 10 to 14, is not going to come to fulfillment because we need to sit under the Word. That's why we need to come away with Him to the higher place. That's the call of the Lord. So friends, there needs to be an awakening in the body. There needs to be an awakening us, a passion for the Word of God. It is such a powerful tool that the Lord has given to us. And we've got to dig into the Word and realize that this is important for every human being. And not reading the Word doesn't just release one fox, it releases foxes into the vineyard. And it's going to leave you impoverished and hopeless, right? We cannot be hopeless in this hour. We cannot be unaware. We cannot be without faith. We cannot not be in the rest of God. We need the word of the Lord to echo truth into us, to build it into us, to establish the creative power of God inside of our lives so that it can flow out of us, so that we can speak creatively kingdom realities into the world around us. We've got to step up in the word. Deuteronomy 6, I think I spoke about Deuteronomy 6 in the first session. Where, 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 I mean, it's that rich, rich, powerful piece of scripture where, where it speaks about where Moses is speaking to Israel saying, listen, get your stuff right. Put the word between your eyes. Put it on your wrist. Put it when you're around the table. Talk about the word. Meditate on the word. Con you know, confess the word. Speak the word to your children. Teach them when you're having dinner. Speak the word of God. And it's in connection with promises fulfilled where you're going to walk into vineyards that you didn't plant, live in houses that you didn't build, uh, live in cities that you didn't build, uh, win battles that you didn't have to fight. And it's all connected with the meditation of the Word in our lives. And the Word is the key that unlocks inheritance and that unlocks the promised land in our, in our life. And we've got to step into that. We cannot waste our energy because it's a distraction, right? The fox called distraction. 
We cannot waste our energy on things that does not satisfy. Isaiah 55, he says, why do you spend your money on that which does not satisfy? He says, come to the waters, everyone who is thirsty, buy grain and eat. Right? Grain speaks of the word. Come buy wine, right? It speaks of the redemption. Come buy milk without money and without cost. And all it is, is incline your ear and come to me. Isaiah 55 verse 3. Hear so that your soul may live. Isn't that powerful? Hear, listen, so that your soul may come alive. That your soul will live. Why are you so restless, O my soul? Have hope and wait in expectation upon the Lord, right? Why are you so restless, O my soul? And this one says, listen, that your soul may live. We need the Word of God. And I'm speaking of prophecy as well, but I'm actually just speaking about the written Word tonight, guys. We've got to get heavy on the written Word of God. We've got to get hungry. We've got to listen to it. We've got to surround our lives with it. Because it's like a fortress that we build around us. It is a stronghold of the Lord that we set up, a stronghold of truth, that the things that we build up around ourselves. Remember what Peter said when, um, when, when things got really hard? Because what happened? Jesus, in John chapter 6, he was just driving everybody nuts. It's like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, he was just like, oh my gosh. It was a hard message for people to hear. I mean, they're like, what is this cannibalism? What in the world is going on? And Jesus is just going at it, and, and everybody's offended, and he looks at the disciples, and he says, well, are you offended too? Do you want to lead as well? Is this a hard word for you? You know, I love it when Jesus is just like in your face, you know, and he's not holding back. And I mean, he goes like, so do you want to lead as well, right? Do you want to lead as well? And Peter goes, and he makes the statement, uh, John 6, verse 68, he says, Simon Peter answered, and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go, Right? You alone have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. I love that. Peter is going, man, these words are hard. And sometimes the promise of the Lord, sometimes what the Lord asks of us, sometimes the, the things that he asks us to lay down can feel really hard in that moment, right? It's challenging. It is contradicting our little grid or box or whatever you want to call it, our belief system. It's like Peter in Acts chapter 10 where that cloth is coming down and the Lord says, eat all these creatures. And Peter is like, no, I'm not doing that, Lord. These are unclean. It's unpure. It's not right, you know. And, and it, it's such a weird space for Peter to be in. But he goes, well, but Lord, I'm going to do it, right? And it's to not be offended in those moments. But to allow the Word of God. Why? Because the Word is what gives us life. The Word is what gives us life. You know, you have the words of eternal life. And we have to, we have to be able to just dig into the Word and say, we're going to eat on this Word. The enemy is watching. He's around us. All this stuff is happening. But I'm going to feast on the Word of God, um, you know, and just stay in that space. And it's so important, guys, that we stick in that, that place. But we not get distracted. Are you guys still okay? I'm going to do two more and then we're done uh, for tonight, right? The other one that I want to address real quick, the other fox. So the first one was distraction, right? And that distraction is, is out of rest. It, it creates restlessness on the inside 
and that leads to compromise. So we're looking away from the Lord, we're looking at the enemy, we're looking at the problem, we're looking at the weakness, and we, we get distracted. And one of the ways that we stay focused is obviously intimacy, but the Word of God, right? We've got to stay in that place. But the next one or two that I quickly want to address is, in, is coming out of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. So I want to just quickly read this to you guys. It's familiar verses, but I just want to address this. Um, it says, in my translation, it's amplified. It says, rejoice always and delight in your faith, right? Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Again, that word faith is arising. And what is one of the keys to faith, like I said, is the word, but it's also rejoicing. And I want to mention that because it goes on. It says, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. I'm going to get to that one. And in every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. All right, guys, I want to touch on this. Just rejoice in the Lord always in your faith and delight in your faith. Rejoicing, praising God is one of the most powerful tools He has given us and one of the most powerful keys to break hopelessness in our journey. It is also one of the most powerful keys to break into the presence of the Lord, right? And I know we're always in the presence, but our mind is not always very. You've got to break your mind into the presence. We enter His gates with praise and His courts with thanksgiving. And gratitude, thankfulness, all of those things, that is part of our journey with God. Right? It's part of this journey with the Lord where we step into a place where we break the fox of ungratefulness and unthankfulness. And guys, this, this is major. It sounds like such a, such a small thing. But I want to tell you that I think one of the big foxes that destroys the flow of heaven in our lives is unthankfulness. And the reason why I say that is, is just think of the story, the five loaves and the two fishes, right? Where Jesus multiplies that. Five loaves, two fishes. Jesus takes it, looks up to heaven, and he gives thanks to, the, thanks to the Lord. And he hands it out to the disciples, and suddenly it multiplies, and, and the 20,000 is fed. My point is this, that there is increase is connected to gratitude. Increase is connected to thankfulness. Why does Paul say rejoice in all things and be thankful in all circumstances? Why? Because he realizes that the very thing that can break the circumstances is rejoicing. That's why I said rejoice in the blood and rejoice in the bread. It's something that can never be taken away from us, right? The blood, the wine and the bread, the covenant of redemption in Christ Jesus can never be taken away from us. So rejoice in it. Rejoice in it always, right? Rejoice in the story and the testimony of the Lord in your life. Rejoice and be thankful for what you have, right? The other thing that happens is when we're unthankful, we lose perspective. And this is what I mean. When we feel pressure, when we feel under pressure, and we're not thankful in the season and in the moment, suddenly our perspective goes from a conquering, victorious perspective to a defeat, right? And suddenly all you can see is lack. <laughs> have you been in that place? I know you have. It's where you, you're negative and suddenly all you can see is that you have only one t-shirt that is broken. Like it's messed up, it's old, it doesn't fit well. You know what I mean? But if thankfulness is active in your heart, 
then suddenly you think, oh my gosh, I have a t-shirt, there's people that don't have one. Or I have two sets of shoes, well, they're not great, but at least I have two pairs of shoes. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I would often, I would just sit and I would start thanking God for what can be deemed as the most menial thing in my life. Like, I would thank Him for shoes. I would thank Him that I have a t-shirt in my cupboard. I would thank Him that there's bread on the table. I'm not talking meat, I'm talking bread. I would thank Him for the smallest things. And when I do it, it's like something opens up over me and things lift off of me and my perspective changes and there's this gratitude that stirs on the inside of me and I'm just like, I have so much to be grateful for. And I would do this in seasons of great lack or great, I wouldn't say lack, that's not the right word, but seasons where we didn't have much. Let's just put it like that. And I would do it on purpose and it would shift something in the atmosphere. Because thankfulness opens the flow and the provision of heaven, where ungratefulness shuts it down. Ungratefulness, unthankfulness will block heaven's flow in your life just like that. Uh, when, when I step into ungratefulness, I, you know, it's interesting, the Lord always tells Israel, build a memorial stone here, so that whenever you come back, you remember it. When I'm ungrateful, I forget the memorial stone. The memorial stone is the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. And the minute that we forget that, what happens? I forget how he came through for me financially the previous time. I forget how he touched my marriage the previous time. I forget the healing miracle. I forget um, the business thing that he did for me. I forget what he did in my child's life. So I forget those things. So I'm constantly living in the distraction of now. And because my timeline and his timeline is not the same, the breakthrough is not quick enough for me, and then I start doubting the nature of God. Where if I look at the memorial, and out of the memorial stone, the place of remembrance, it raises thankfulness in my heart, and I look at my current situation, my current problem, then suddenly I perceive the situation completely different, and there's a life inside of me because I've beaten this before in the Lord, and it surely will bow again in the Lord, right? And it's massive, but... But when I'm not living in thankfulness, I miss those moments. Also, when I'm not living in thankfulness, if I cannot be thankful for the little financial breakthrough, how is he going to give me a big one? Right? He's testing the heart with thankfulness. He's testing your response to what he has entrusted to you. And the way you respond to what he has have entrusted to you right now, that determines what he can entrust to you in the future. Gratitude is huge. It's a major, major factor in the condition of our heart. And unthankfulness is a fox that breaks down the flow of heaven. It loses per per perspective and it binds us to lack. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It binds us to lack. Because you could have looked at the five loaves and the two fishes like the disciples did. And all we see is 20,000 people, 5,000 men that needs to be fed. And we, all we see is lack. Where thankfulness allows us to lift our eyes from the distraction. And we feast on the table that is set before us. And it's five loaves and two fishes. It's a hundred rand in the bank. I need a million, but somebody gave me a hundred rand. Wow, that, that's a level of breakthrough. So I start thanking God for the hundred, Right? Or the hundred dollars where I need a million dollars, whatever it is. And I thank Him for the hundred dollars. 
And that is feasting on the goodness of God, what is set on the table now for me. And that shifts my perspective and it allows heaven to break out over me, guys. But unthankfulness, oh my gosh, it truly does bind us. And it's a massive fox that holds us back. Why is it always saying rejoice in the Lord? I say again, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Because it produces something on the inside. It is a massive key to breakthrough in this season. And it will destroy the fox of ungratefulness and a victim mentality and a, and a thought life of lack. We've got to get that out. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Our job is His voice. That's what we need to do. His job is to fulfill destiny. Right? But thankfulness for whatever He's given us, that is the key to move forward. The next one in that, that thing, so it's thankfulness, that's number one. The second one is persistent prayer. We, we've got to live in a space of prayer. I, I just, you know, I can, I love teaching on prayer. But uh, prayer has got to be a constant around our lives. And I just read these verses the other day. Be persistent in prayer, right? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse, verse 16. Uh, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. And it just stirred me again. I'm like, man, I, I want my internal conversations to be prayer. I don't want it to be an argument with somebody else. I don't want it to be me figuring things out. I want it to be, I want the inner sanctuary of my mind, of my heart, to be a place of prayer. And what a shift that brings about when the internal conversation is not trying to figure out the solution, but it's prayer. It's like, Lord, this is the situation I submitted to you. Unceasing in prayer, just constantly bringing my heart into a place of prayer. Just remember, a praying heart is a humble heart, right? Prayer means that I understand that I'm dependent. So that's humility. It's humility. And we've got to show humility. Humility draws the favor of the Lord. Pride pushes the hand of the Lord away from us, right? A praying heart says, I realize I'm in need. Therefore, Lord, come. I, I need you to come. And uh, the last one I want to hit, and this one is, this one is interesting, um, ne I would never have thought that the Lord would kind of lead me in this direction, but it, we, were, we were with friends last night just having dinner and I actually ran out to the bathroom to write down notes because while I'm talking, I was getting revelation and uh, while they were talking. And this is the final one I want to get to. And this, this is going to be interesting, so I maybe need a couple of minutes to unpack this one, but it's Psalm 105 verse 4, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, right? And it fits into this context, but listen to what it's saying. It says, seek and deeply long for the Lord and His strength, His power, His might. Seek and deeply long for His face and His presence continually. And this verse has kind of just been in my heart and in my spirit the last couple of days. And last night, it just something just dropped in my heart. We all get deeply long for His face and His presence. But there is actually a command that says, seek. His power. Sunday morning, I was, the Lord woke me up at like four. We had a service in a, in a nearby town. And it's like the Lord started speaking to me about His power and His authority and reminding me to seek it, right? But like aggressively seek it. And this is the way I, when I got born again, that, that was my pursuit, right? I just immediately went for that. And the Lord spoke to me about it again. And last night, I kind of kept getting this revelation about it. I want to tell you something. One of the not seeking the power of God is a fox in your life. 
I'm going to try and explain this in a minute. So what the Lord just kept on showing me is that He says in the Word, seek my power and seek my face, right? Why is that? When we were created, Genesis 1 verse 26 to 28, when we were created, the ability and the natural grace to have dominion over creation and over evil, right, was placed inside of you. So authority is part of your creative purpose. Walking in dominion is part of our creative design because we reflect our Father who is in heaven. We reflect the Son and we reflect the Holy Spirit. And they are Lord, they are King, and they are Creator. They are absolute authority and absolute power. So something in our DNA wants to walk in power, wants to see power. And when I say this, obviously I'm not meaning over people. I'm talking about the fight against the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The spirits, the principalities, the powers, the sicknesses, the diseases, all these things that's birthed out of hell, right? There's a, it's in our DNA because of who our father is that dominion is what wants to flow out of us, right? Are you with me? So the minute that we negate that, that we neglect our pursuit of the power of God, it becomes a fox because there is a craving inside of the heart of humanity for power, right? Because we were made to walk in dominion. Why does evil man destroy? Why does the evil, why does the flesh desire power and glory and influence and money because it has power, it can buy influence, can do all of these things? Because there's something inside of man that was made to walk in dominion. It got perverted along the way, but there's a false presentation of power that is being fed to us by the enemy and by the world, right? And whether it's political power, whether it's financial power, whether it's, it doesn't really matter what it is, influence, influencers, whatever you want to call it, it is being fed to us and something inside of us craves it, right? Something inside of the flesh of man craves that. And what we have done in the body for many years is we've said, oh, that's bad, don't, don't do it. But God says, actually, seek my power, right? Power, why? Because you were made to walk in dominion and in authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto Jesus. He took it back and then he gives it to us and he says, go. Colossians 1 verse 10, it says, I pray that all power will be working inside of you. It's pretty wild stuff that he's praying according to the might of God, right? It's, it's major stuff that Paul is praying, right? And, and power is part of the DNA of God and it's part of the DNA that's inside of us and we've got to seek the power of God because if we don't I'm telling you it becomes a fox that comes in and it's sly and it's deceptive but it's going to sell you the lie that there's power there's dominion there's authority ways in the world to work so that you can get your success make things happen but it's outside of the anointing and the grace of God, outside of the power of the Lord in your life. So it will not last. And in fact, it will destroy you. Right? So what do we do? We, we 
don't seek the presence and the power of God, because we're very connected in Psalm 105 verse 4. We don't seek those two things. So to make up for the lack of power in the body, in the church, in my family, the lack of anointing, the lack of the flow of heaven, we come out with all kinds of gimmicks to sell something that looks like anointing, but it's not the presence of God. So we're selling out on that side. And what we're selling out to, you have to feed, you have to sustain it, you have to keep it going, right? But the Lord says, seek my power. Why? Because dominion is what we were made for. Listen, there's a, um, oh, I'm giving away a secret here, but anyway, I'm not a fan, but it's a good movie, all right? So all of you guys calm down. So through a friend of ours, uh, we, we kind of binged the Star Wars movies a couple of months ago. So I, I repent. I'm sorry if you don't like it. Uh, but it was clean and it was fun. And, and um, you know, it was just something that, that we enjoyed in that season. Something I watched year back, years ago when I was a child. So I never saw the new ones. Anyway, in the final uh, Star Wars movie, number nine, or that, that's wild. I don't know why they made that many. But anyway, in number nine, there's a scene where the main antagonist... Uh, Palpatine, right? He's kind of the, the representation of evil and darkness in the movie. So there is a scene where this young Jedi uh, girl is now the main character, the main Jedi, whatever, where she comes and she's having an, an encounter with, with this guy. So bear with me for a minute. So this guy is on life machines, Palpatine, the evil guy. He's on oxygen machines. He's blind. His fingers are rotting off. He needs something to uphold him. Like, literally, he's falling apart, right? And this girl comes, who she's vibrant, she's full of life, she's full of power, you know, she, she's, you know, she's nailing it. And she comes, and they have a conversation. It, it was one of the most interesting things I've seen. Uh, the Lord really spoke to me out of it. And this guy, the evil guy that's on life support, he's trying to draw her into his kingdom into his team into his rank and he's inviting her to come to him because he is incredibly powerful he's incredibly you know wealthy and the influence and what they can achieve together what they can accomplish together if this lady would just join him and i'm looking at this thing and i'm going the guy's fingers are falling off it's rotting away he's blind he can't see he's on life support and it was the funniest moment because I felt like the Lord talking to me in that moment and said, that's what the enemy looks like. <laughs> he's on life support. He's falling apart. I'm not saying he doesn't have power. He does have. But he's waiting to die. He's waiting to die. And, he's, and yet he's alluring people into his kingdom. Why? Because he offers fake temporary power that is not eternal right and here's what i'm trying to say with the story unless you experience the power of god in your life any other presentation of power that comes to you will look attractive right but if you've tasted ultimate power all mighty God, 
then the fake representation or it's not fake because there is power in it but it's lower than the highest power that is available to you and me as believers right so I felt like the Lord showed me that one of the foxes that can destroy your life is a lack of his power in your walk because a lack of his power in your walk is going to draw you into fear or is going to make you grab after the, the, the lie or the deception that there's another form of power that is sustainable out there, outside of God. And there isn't. There isn't. There is one ultimate power, and His name is Jesus. All authority is in Jesus. Power is in God. Victory over the enemy is in God. The world does not have the answer to the questions that will be asked to us as believers. It doesn't have the answer. It will present an answer. That's why you need to be wise enough to seek the power of God, right? Wisdom is seeking His power. Seek, read it again, seek and deeply long for the Lord, the Lord first, and His strength. His power, His might. Seek and deeply long for His face and His presence continually. Right? Destroy the fox of powerlessness in your life by seeking His power. Destroy the fox of a victim mentality in your life by seeking His power. Right? Seek the Lord and His power. And now you said to me, hey, but, you know, you, you said, see Jesus, and now you're adding this. No, no, no. God is power. He is authority. He is love. He is mercy. He is breakthrough. He is all of those things. It's not power. is not separate from who Jesus is. Power is not separate from who the Father is. It's not separate from who the Holy Spirit is. But we have got to long for His power inside of us so that we can walk in dominion. And sometimes the secret place is the place where you, as you seek Him, that baptism of power comes upon your life that breaks yokes, that releases an authority, that actually changes your speech so that you can start taking dominion over that which is hindering the very destiny that God has for you, that which is destroying the vineyard within, right? Forget about just miracles externally, which I want. But just the power and the authority to resist anxiety, fear, distraction, demonic forces, guilt and shame. That's why we've got to seek His power. So friends, I want to encourage you tonight that don't trade natural talent for supernatural anointing and power. Natural talent is awesome. It's grace. But supernatural Anointing upon that is what makes things explode in your journey with the Lord. It's His authority, His anointing on what is within us, that power that explodes into the world around us. And once you've tasted the power, once you've tasted and seen the goodness of God, any other representation of power will lack, right? You're not going to be able to be bored. 
You're not going to be able to be drawn by influencers and bow the knee to compromise because that person seems like influential person and he can fight your battle. He can make that promotion happen for you. No, the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is the source of power. His hand is going to make it happen. That's why you've got to seek his power. So friends, I, I hope that this made sense. I hope this blessed you tonight. And, and I know it's a little bit different, like I really shot like in so many directions. But these were just foxes that I felt like the Lord showed me. I'm just going to summarize them real quick. But the first fox, the distractions that comes because of fear and doubt, right? Fear and doubt, the phony soil of the heart, where we look around us, where we get distracted, we look at the enemy and it moves us into worry and it moves us away from faith. So we become restless, right? So distraction comes, fear and doubt enters in and we lose hope. We've got to keep hope alive in our hearts. The second one was the word of God. Like the word of the Lord to not be light, not be, you know, I'm lacking the right word here, but not to be underweight when it comes to that. We've got to be heavyweights in the word of the Lord, right? So the word of the Lord, the bread, we've got to be heavy on that. The other one was out of 1 Thessalonians 5 or 16 to 18 is praise. Got to be living in praise and gratitude. Got to be living in that space. Unceasing in prayer. And then the last one was seeking the power of God. So I think that's five. So five foxes that I want you guys to look at and really go and identify them in your life and say, Lord, how do I change? How do I move on forward from here? Remember what the Lord said in that scripture. I want you to catch them for me. How do you catch them? You recognize them, right? By just what we're doing here, by recognizing that there might be an issue here. I'm depressed all the time. Why? Is it because I don't have enough word in me? Why am I, why am I hopeless? What's going on? Which one of these is it? Like, am I easily bought by the influence of man? Right? That means there's a lack of power and authority in your life and you don't understand your authority because you're stepping into fear the whole time. What, whichever one it is, you catch it by recognizing it. Right? The one from last week, self-preservation over self-sacrifice, sacrificial living. You catch it by being aware. And as you are aware, remember what the Lord said, I will help you overcome. So what we do tonight is we take these foxes and we bring them before the Lord and we say, Lord, help. I need help. I want to be with you. I want to come away with you. I want to go to the higher place. Man, I want to live in intimacy. And Jesus, this is our cry. This is what we're saying tonight, Lord, is help. Help us. Lord, we've seen foxes. As I've done this, I've seen foxes in my own life. Self-preservation. Distraction, Lord. Restlessness. Hopelessness. Not hungry enough for your word. Ungratefulness in our hearts. Not praying enough. And the lack of power. Eight foxes, Lord. And I want to pray, Lord, that as each of us watching, as we bring these before you tonight, Lord, help us to destroy them fully. Lord, we bring these foxes before you in the name of Jesus, and we put them under the fire of God, the fire of your presence. Lord, we rebuke these foxes. I rebuke them in Jesus' name. I pray that the attitude of my heart will change, 
I pray that my mind will be renewed by your word. I pray for your deliverance. I pray for your freedom. I pray for your salvation in every single area of my life. And Lord, I pray that you just empower me, empower us to be victorious in these areas. Let us be deeply in love. Let us be lost in your presence. Let our hearts turn to you constantly. And Lord, stir us. Let it never be about destiny, but let it be about the one that holds destiny in his hand, and that's you. So Lord, remove the idols in our hearts. Set us free, Lord, and help us to soar with you into this glorious new day of destiny that you have set before us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So friends, we bless you. I hope this blessed your heart. I hope this meant something to you. I hope this stirred you. Please share it with people. And I hope we see you somewhere in the country over the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, we will do some weekly uh, teachings on, on Facebook as well. So if you want to catch up with that, if you're interested in getting more of our newsletters, you're welcome. But more than that, we just want to bless you guys and pray that you have an awesome time. And may the Lord just, man, may His face just shine upon you. May intimacy with Him just grow. May the joy of His presence just take hold of all of us in a glorious, glorious new way. So bless you guys. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.